The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Back from Egypt because <laughs> I just got back from Egypt. So I was traveling around the world. I had never seen the pyramids and the tombs. So uh, I hopped on a plane to Cairo. Just wanted to check it out. I went by myself, and I've traveled a lot of places by myself, but Egypt was particularly challenging <laughs> by yourself. Um, it's a poor country, and a lot of people who travel to Egypt um, go on a package deal. They go with a tour company. So the people who are doing independent travel, like myself, are the only ones that really deal with the locals. And this is unfortunate because the locals don't really benefit then from the tourism dollars. But unfortunately, then it's like this vicious cycle because then the few tourists like myself who are not on a package tour through a big company, then they just sort of bombard the people who, you know, might spend money there. And it, it gets very frustrating because you're just like, attacked all the time by people like, Madame, 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 you need a taxi, you know, you need the horse and buggy, Madame, Madame, Madame. You can't walk two feet without somebody, you know, trying to sell you something. And actually an e Egyptian later on in the week said something which actually summed it up. He goes, yes, they, they try to sell you the air. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. They do try to sell you the air. And, you know, the country has so many fascinating things to see. There's, it's such a, the country is so wealthy with evidence of the past that you just can't really see anywhere else. But it's a shame that then it can be difficult just traveling around. But um, when I say they try to sell you the air, like I would be at a temple in Luxor and uh, somebody would point to something, a carving, I'd look at it and then they'd say bakshish, bakshish, which means tip. And then they keep following you around. So basically they want you to give them a tip for pointing at something. So they literally try to sell you the air, which was frustrating. But anyway, this episode is going to be about some stories from Egypt along with big, big surprise, funny airline stories. <laughs> so let's get started with Back From Egypt. So you, um, you heard a story about a new flight attendant. Yeah, it was uh, during initial training. Uh, they were doing the um, emergency medical right. portion of the training, and they were on a mock-up of the 767. And the facilitator said to one of the new hires, uh, okay, you walk to the back of the 6-7 galley, you find a passenger passed out on the floor, 
unconscious but breathing. So the uh, new hire uh, kind of looked perplexed, didn't look like she understood, you know, English. So the facilitator again says, okay, come to the back of a you know, six, seven galley, you find a passenger passed out, unconscious, but breathing. And so she still looks like she doesn't know anything. She says, well, you know, what's butt breathing? <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> When the, when the fuel prices were, were getting really high and a lot of the airlines were having uh, problems uh, getting passengers because the yeah. flights were more expensive, um, the pilot came on over the PA and when we were pushing back and said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, um, for those of you sitting next to a window, we'd like you to look out and at, you know you can see the other airline, airlines, um, airplanes out there. And uh, if, if someone's sitting, if there's an open window seat and you're not sitting at it, could you please move over so, so that the other airlines think we're full? <laughs> so I think everybody sort of gets a kick out of pickup lines, and we know all of the pickup lines that people use here in the United States, but I did find it um, entertaining <laughs> When I wasn't getting irritated, the pickup lines in Egypt, because you are different, because you are a tourist, you know, blonde, blue eyes, whatever, um, you do get a lot of attention. I get a lot of attention in other countries, um, but it was especially evident in Egypt, and they all had the same pickup lines. <laughs> there were like three that I got over and over and over again. It's like, um, oh, you have Egypt eyes, or... I'm your Omar Sharif. This <laughs> pathetic. And then the one that got most often was, you you walk like an Egyptian. We're <laughs> Cincinnati based. Oh, and Cincinnati has some idiosyncratic ways of speaking. Yes. They do. I'm from Pittsburgh, so it's... So it's you, you'll it's understand. Sort of you'll understand. We had a airplane, first class. The flight attendant went back to the passenger and um, asked him, can I get you something to drink or something along those lines? And he just mumbled back at her. And she goes, please? And he responds, oh, all right, I'll take some coffee, please. Oh. <laughs> please in Cincinnati means, could you say again, or I didn't understand you, or... on my trip to Egypt was going to the Valley of the Kings and seeing the different tombs. And I actually got to go in King Tut's tomb and got to see his mummy. And uh, that is, so the mummy idea is so foreign to us. It, it is fascinating. But I had recorded this little, <laughs> this little segment before about uh, mummies on the airplane. There is this strange phenomenon on the airplane that I call mummified passengers or swaddled passengers. 
Apparently, a lot of passengers think it's cold on the plane. I'm usually not very cold. We're working or walking around, but passengers are always asking for blankets, asking us to ask the pilots to warm up the cabin. And consequently, sometimes when you're on the beverage cart or doing meal service, you'll go to hand something to a passenger and they look at you like, huh? Because <laughs> they, they have wrapped themselves in their blanket. They have no arms. They have no hands. They're just like little mummy passengers. <laughs> they have to get their way out of their blanket just to take something from you. It reminds me of when you bring a newborn baby home and you're supposed to swaddle them in their blanket to make them feel like they're in the womb so they're all in this cocoon. They have no arms. That's what the passengers look like. They're swaddled passengers. Love is in the air story? Yeah. What happened? Two people having sex in the aft lavatory on a 727 between Fresno and LAX. So I was the engineer. The captain said, how do you know they're having sex? And the flight attendant says, they're not being very discreet. <laughs> so he goes, well, as long as they don't light up a cigarette afterwards, they're not breaking any rules. <laughs> so... Hello, I'm in Egypt right now. I'm in Luxor. I'm staying at a fabulous hotel because I get a good rate here. Um, the old Winter Palace. It's simply stunning. But what I want to do is I'm going to go out onto my balcony here, and I want you to be able to hear the, the call to prayer. I think probably a lot of you haven't been to a Muslim country where they blast the prayers. <laughs> so you can hear, but I actually find it uh, quite beautiful. This happened very early in my career as a captain. I was, I was only a captain for, I just checked out within maybe six months of this happening. And I was on an MD-88. We'd taken off out of Atlanta. We're headed up to the northeast someplace. And um, we get up to cruise altitude and we see a couple of uh, thunderstorms up ahead. You know, these big towering thunderstorms. And, you know, I'm doing all my thing and making sure that we have the right clearances. And we, can we go through them or should we go around them and all that. So we ended up going between the two of them because we had clearance so uh as we're going through the, the between the two tops of these thunderstorms you know we're in the clear but we get struck by lightning and it's this big extremely loud smack you know and uh i mean the airplane was rock solid nothing you know no bumps or anything like that it was just nice and smooth but we just get this extremely loud bang you know and, and the co-pilot and i are just like frozen looking at the instruments trying to see did we lose an engine did, did anything happen uh you know nothing happened everything was fine so in in the aftermath of this um we were talking with each other and, and the co-pilot said to me did you hear that blood-curdling scream from the back and i was like you're kidding me i said no i didn't hear it he said i he couldn't believe i missed it you know this big loud very long high-pitched scream and i was like wow you know i i, I didn't hear it. I was so engrossed in, yeah, focused on the airplane. So, uh, 
So we land, I think it was in Philadelphia. We land in Philadelphia. The people are getting off. And there was a, a guy that was in first class that I, I just assume he's a non-rev because he stayed on as long as he did. He didn't, didn't get off right away. Well, it turns out he's a, a million miler, a regular paying passenger. And as he's getting off, he says, could I have a word with you in the jetway? And uh, so I said, sure. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's really screwed up or what, what, what's going on? So we go out in the jetway and he says, uh, so I just want to tell you that First of all, I thought you handled the uh, the lightning thing very well. You were very, you know, I, I did a PA and you were very calming and you know you put everybody's right at ease. But I'm I'm curious if you heard that that scream right after as it was happening. And I said, well, actually, uh, my co-pilot mentioned it to me and I, I didn't really notice it that much. But I, I guess you know my my co-pilot had mentioned it to me. And he says, yeah. He says it, it was a little unnerving. He says that. Uh, did anybody mention to you where that scream came from? And I said, no, I, I don't know anything about that. So that was your flight attendant sitting on the front seat here. So the other day on the airplane, something happened that jogged my memory about a story from years back. I was just on the plane the other day, and sometimes the seal around the door is... Um, technically fine you know there's no safety problem but sometimes if the seal isn't perfect you'll get like a high-pitched whistle around the door and whenever that happens uh, we always tell the pilots just in case there is a problem but they can tell by their panel and all their instruments whether or not there is a problem so you know I called up to the pilot just recently I said oh you know the the two right door is uh is hissing and he said oh you know why don't you um he goes, it's fine. He said, if it's bothersome, why don't you like put a wet rag in wherever you hear the noise coming out? And I, I remembered then that when I was pretty new, I was on the back of a 727 and uh, there, the back door on the 727, I was making a high pitched whistle. So I, I called up to the pilot and I said, uh, hi, you know, this is Betty in the back and there's this um, high pitched squeal coming from around the door. And he said, oh, it's probably the seal. He said, um, I can tell by the instruments up here that everything's fine. But um, if you want, you can put a lemon in it. And I said, really? And, and that'll help? And he said, yeah. I said, okay. <laughs> so I, I go to the galley. And at the time, we used to get whole lemons and limes. And then we would cut them up for the garnishes for the drinks. This is before there was any problem with knives on the plane. You know, now they come on already cut up. But so I'm standing there with this lemon and I'm thinking, oh, well, where am I supposed to put the lemon? <laughs> so I called the pilot back up and I said, um, you know, it's Betty in the back again and uh, with the squealing door. And you told me to put a lemon in it, but I don't know where to put the lemon. And he goes, no, I said to put a linen in it. <laughs> you know, a linen napkin. <laughs> I said, oh, that makes more sense because I couldn't figure out what to do with the lemon. <laughs> I was uh, working as a uh, simulator instructor on a 727. I was an engineer instructor, and we were training pilots up front, two co-pilots getting trained, getting checked out in the 727. And I was the instructor just riding. Uh, there was a captain instructor that was giving the instruction, and I was basically just what they call seat filling, adding training support for the two pilots getting trained up front. Okay, so we were uh, training an engine failure procedure, 
and during the procedure when one of the engines is shut down you lose one of the generators each engine has a generator on it so you're reducing uh, your electrical load on the airplane so the other generators don't overload so during this procedure the flight engineer which was me is supposed to accomplish some procedures where you pull circuit breakers to reduce electrical load and as a memory a reminder typically what uh, people would do is put a paper cup or a styrofoam cup on the flap handle to alert the pilots that before they lower the flaps the flight engineer is supposed to download electrical components so you don't overload the two generators well yeah you just put a cup on the flap handle so that way when one of the pilots grabs that flap handle they know oh I'm supposed to do something here tell the flight engineer hey we're ready to to lower flaps so uh, I put the cup on the flap handle and I'm going through the rest of my procedures and these two new co-pilots are up here doing their stuff and the next thing I know I look up front the flaps are at five and the cup handle I mean the cup is smashed around the flap handle so they just grabbed it with the cup on there and lowered the flaps without even telling me but I told them hey let me know when you're ready for flaps and I put the cup there and they both said okay so <laughs> me and the other instructor were just laughing and the other guys were like totally clueless because they're so engrossed in the procedure they didn't even realize what they had done <laughs> so, yeah they just smashed the cup on the thing it was pretty funny One of my favorite flight attendants emailed me this story. She said she was on the beverage cart, and she pulled up to a row and asked the lady at the window if she'd like a beverage. And the passenger looked at her, kind of puzzled, and said, No, but can I get something to drink? (laughs) Yes, I do. Um... Back uh, many years ago when we used to fly Atlanta to San Juan on the L-1011, when we would get into San Juan, we'd have a turn. So we'd have about three and a half hours there. And uh, for security purposes, we would have to lock all the the, uh, labs. So they all showed occupied. And a lot of times we would go, you know, pick up some rum or even wear our bathing suits and go jump in the water real quick. Well, I had to go to the bathroom, so... We went, if we had to go to the bathroom, we'd just take our wings or a pen, and we would unlock the door and go in. And so I unlocked the door and went in, and it, and it was um, one of the pilots. <laughs> and he said, Hillary, if you wanted to come in, all you had to do was ask. So there were so many things that really were fascinating in Egypt, just the the impact that the that pyramids have on you and the sphinx and you know you sort of have a an idea before you go on a trip what what you're excited about I, I was really excited when I was flying into Cairo and I could see the pyramids from the air that was you know one of those moments where you're just like wow but the most in, impactful thing that happened on my trip to Egypt was a conversation I had with this um, Egyptian I was on a boat I, I got a little, you know, tired of the, it was like 110 degrees and I, all, everybody was bugging me so much <laughs> that eventually I got on a plane and went to Sharm el-Sheikh, which is in the Sinai. It's the beach. It's really nice. Um, 
really great snorkeling. And I was on a boat trip in this um, national park, and I was I had a lot of time to talk with this one guide on the boat, and he said something to me that really struck me. And I think so often in this country we forget, you know, we're so right now we're so caught up in the financial crisis and the presidential election. You know, sometimes we just forget how privileged we are and how much we have in this country. And he said something to me. He said, well, you know, you're free. I'm not free and I'll never be free. And it's just something that you just so, it's so easy to take for granted our freedom that we have. And when he was saying that, I was thinking, oh my goodness, that's so true. He was saying how he can't travel. He could maybe travel to other Muslim countries, but that's it. You know, he has so many restrictions on him. He was saying how, he was a young guy, and he was saying how, you know, you're not even supposed to kiss a woman until you get married. I mean, there's so many things that we've had for so long, we just forget. So anyway, even though the the pyramids and the temples and the tombs were so impressive, the most impactful thing was actually just talking to this young man about the freedom that I have that he doesn't. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I am back from Egypt. I am back to work. I will try to get the podcast out quicker. And uh, I hope everybody out there enjoys their freedom and enjoys everything that we have. So I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Bye.